This is Mishmash, a weekly conversation where we unjumble an important and sometimes under-the-radar statewide issue that affects you. Shayna is out this week, but I wanted to explore a topic that is getting new attention in Lansing right now. Governor Gretchen Whitmer just created, through executive order, a new task force on juvenile justice. I want to welcome someone who will be doing a lot of work on that task force, Michigan Supreme Court Justice Beth Clement. Uh, Justice Clement, welcome to Mishmash. Thank you, Jake. I'm happy to be here. So give us a quick understanding of some of the concerns surrounding how Michigan handles juvenile justice right now. What needs to be addressed? Well, I would say first and foremost, um, it's it's important to understand that what we have in Michigan is a decentralized system. Um, So that means that juvenile justice is handled at the local level. Um, And what that means is that we don't have a good handle on the data and what is happening in, in each county uh, as it relates to juvenile justice. So that's going to be one of the, the primary areas that we need to we need to address, is being able to pull all of that data together in one um, cohesive uh, location um, so that we can actually look at what is, is happening in juvenile justice across the state, what's working well, where we need to make improvements. Um, so I really think that that's that's the, the key piece that we need to be looking at before we can we can move on to um, making policy decisions and recommendations on how to move forward. So what are the, some of the, the specific goals of this task force and what will the work actually look like? Really what we need to be focused on is, um, is the youth that are interacting with the juvenile justice system. And, and I, and I think our primary goal needs to be on prevention, keeping uh, kids out of, out of the system. Um, and if they are there, reducing detention um, and keeping them with their families and in the community. You know, advocates have long been trying to call attention to the anxieties that parents and students of color specifically face every year related to what they call the school-to-prison pipeline. I'm curious, how much will the task force be focusing on issues of race specifically? Um, I think it's going to be a primary focus for the task force. I I don't know how we can do this work in juvenile justice without that being one of our primary focuses. We know that there is disparity in our juvenile justice system, as well as our child welfare system and our adult criminal system. Um, and it needs to be one of the primary uh, focuses of this task force. Uh, so previously on this show, we talked about the story of Grace, uh, Birmingham Groves High School student who spent 78 days in Children's Village, which is a juvenile detention center, for violating one of the terms of her probation, which in this case was not doing her homework. Uh, that case sparked a lot of outrage from advocates and many everyday folks here in Michigan as well. I'm curious what role that specific episode plays in bringing attention to these kinds of issues and even the creation of a task force like this? Well, I, I think Grace's uh, story was um, obviously unfortunate, but it, it really helped shed light and, and bring interest from so many people around the state and even out, outside of the state of Michigan. Um, so I, I take that as a, as a positive um, from her situation. And I, I definitely think that this was a, a driving force for this task force. The Lieutenant Governor definitely focused on uh, Grace's story and what what her and her family experienced uh, last year. And, I, you know, I definitely think that it's, it's a piece of this that that, you know, there's there's a lot of graces out there um, and we need to we need to be um, hearing from those families and, and their their experience with the system um, in order to make um, improvements and change. 
And one of the things that is landing juveniles in detention a lot of times are, are status offenses, which are offenses that juveniles, uh, you know, they can get into trouble for simply things that have to do with their age. For example, skipping school, not doing their homework, which in this case is, is related directly to that story of grace. I'm curious, uh, is, is that going to be a specific um, area that you're going to be looking at in this task force? And, and, and what are your thoughts on uh, this issue of status offenses and, and how, um, you know, how that contributes to uh, the issues that we see of, of, of students landing uh, both in the, the system and then staying in the system? So I think when we talk about status offenses, this is one of the key areas um, that relates back to the data that I was talking about um, at, at the beginning. We, we have to be able to, to collect the data from around the state to see exactly um, what is happening in each of, each of our counties with status offenses. Uh, we hear... Uh, some, some data points uh, from, from national groups that Michigan is an outlier when it comes to status offenses and, and youth in our juvenile justice system. And we have to see that data to find out what's going on. Um, and if we have counties that, that don't see those numbers and are not, are not um, experiencing issues or, or higher numbers of status offenses, we need to see what they're doing um, and, and emulate that and model that around, around the state. And, and I know that we have we have counties out there that are very, very focused on that area and have made drastic improvements. And we need to share those stories so that we can we can see that happening around the state. Do you have a specific timeline at this point? What should people uh, expect going forward with this task force? And uh, what is the, the course of the work look like uh, at this point? Uh, my understanding is, is that the governor expects us to have a report in July of 2022. Um, so that gives us uh, the next month to uh, get the task force uh, appoint appointments made um, and, and get everybody working. I anticipate this to uh, to mirror what was done with the jail pretrial task force that Chief Justice Bridget McCormick and Lieutenant Governor co-chaired. Um, they worked diligently and, and, and I think very efficiently and, and quickly to get that work done and recommendations out. And, and I anticipate that we'll, we'll do the same thing here. Um, you know, one thing that, that I would point out is that, um, yes, there's a one-year time, you know, time frame, but that doesn't prevent us from identifying um, things that can be changed, whether that's on, on the court side, whether that's uh, internal policies from the, the department or from our, our local uh, partners, that, that changes can be made as we're, as we're moving through this process. One example that I can, that I can give you um, is work that's been done in Macomb County on fines and fees. Uh, we had the MCJJ, MCYJ work with Macomb County and the State Court Administrative Office reviewing uh, their fines and fees as it related to the juvenile justice system. And Macomb County stepped up and, and made those changes without having to wait for, um, you know, a, a statewide task force to do that. And I think that the work that they've done can be modeled in our other counties without having to wait for a full report to come out in, in a year. Um, that's just one example. I, I can think of a number of different areas of, of things that we can be doing as the task force is, is, is doing their work. Um, so we're not waiting for the full report to come out. If, if we can identify things that need to be done and we can make that happen um, immediately, I, I think we should move forward with, with those areas. I wanted to talk just a little bit more generally about the work that the court has been doing, uh, especially in the last couple of years. Obviously, the last year has has made 
things a little bit different for the court as well. But, uh, you know, I've been following the court since about 2012, at least closely. And, uh, you know, it seems like uh, although there have been some very high profile uh, decisions that the court has made, that a lot of what we're hearing about the Supreme Court uh, recently is a lot about work like this, work that is is more about rethinking the ways that we do criminal justice in the state of Michigan. I'm curious what your thoughts are about uh, what to me sort of seems from a distance as a, as a, a new focus of, of a lot of the work that's being done. Yeah, I, I think that we have, have the, the Michigan Supreme Court has, has really shifted um, in, the, in the last uh, eight to 10 years and, and uh, taken on our role of one court of justice and, and leading on the administrative side and I think we've taken that very seriously and, and realized that, you know, yes, you know, the Michigan Supreme Court, you know, very few cases make it make their way up to to our court. But the other part of our job is the administration of all of our trial courts. And that's where most people interact with with the court system. Um, and so uh, all of the justices have various administrative duties um, and you know, we're, we're all very passionate about the areas that that uh, that we're um, leading on. Um, juvenile justice, child welfare, problem-solving courts are are some of the areas that that I focus on. Um, and and I do think that that the, the public recognizes that we are are more engaged, um, and that we're and that we're um, identifying those areas in in you know whether it's criminal justice or access to justice. Um, really doing the best that we can um, to, to serve the, the public um, and, and make sure that their interaction with our judicial system and, and, and our courts um, are, are the, are, you know, the best experience that, that they can have under the circumstances. And I am also curious about that other piece that I mentioned, uh, you know, being uh, a justice on the Michigan Supreme Court during a pandemic and the ways that that's affected uh, the, the, all the work of the court as well. I'm, I'm curious, what have, what have been the big challenges? What have been the, the things, the, the ways that you think that this, uh, this past year has, um, you know, changed the way that, that the work is done or uh, may, even maybe, um, you know, brought about some lessons about the ways that people can access, uh, you know, the, the court system, uh, including the Supreme Court itself, but, but as you mentioned, the trial courts and, and so forth. You know, you know the, the pandemic has been so um, difficult and unfortunate in, in so many ways, um, but I am so proud of, of all of our trial courts around the state. Um, they immediately got to work um, shifting over to remote hearings. Um, you know, we had we had maybe some pushback or some reluctance because it was a new way of doing things. But we knew that it was important to keep the, the courts open to the public. Um, and what I can tell you is the lessons that we've learned from that is that we're we're not going back to the way that that business was done before the pandemic. Um, our, our trial judges and our court administrators have have recognized that that attorneys and, and parties and, and individuals that, that interact with our court system appreciate the opportunity to, to do um, certain things remotely. And so going forward, we're, we're definitely going to see that the courts are going to continue to have a hybrid system of, of interacting with, with the public. Um, there's going to be some things that can cannot be done remotely. We've, we've learned that through some of our pilots and, and some of our, our research, um, like, like jury trials. You know, those are, are best served in, um, in person. But so many of the other things that, that our courts do um, can save save people time and and um, and money. So many people are able to stay at work and and take 15 minutes 
to be able to get on a, you know, get on a court status, um, you know, status hearing conference um, and, and, you know, get child, child care for their children. Uh, so, you know, the lessons that we've learned from it is that um, although it's been difficult, um, you know, we've been able to we'll take those lessons that we've learned and, and go forward with them and, and keep uh, us to the course that has been, I think, um, you know, very instrumental. Michigan Supreme Court Justice Beth Clement, really appreciate you taking the time to join us today on Mishmash. Thanks so much. Thank you. Take care.